And good morning to you, Lighthouse. Uh, great to see you today. Uh, what, a, what a blessing. I hope you were as blessed as I was by what we just heard from Kelly and JR. Just such sweetness in their voices and the music that came along with it. What a blessing. We praise God for that gift. Today is week number seven of online worship, and uh, what a journey it has been. I started this uh, new series that's really about lessons from God during the COVID crisis. We, uh, last week, uh, we looked at the first part, which is based on responses that you gave to a question I put out in an email and also on Facebook, asking people to respond by giving three things that you're learning from God during this time. So last week was be still, because that was the top vote getter, if you will. It was the thing that people remarked the most about, about the importance in times like this, but not just this time, but all the time to be still and know who God is. Take Sabbath time. I hope that in the last week you've made some space for some Sabbath time in your life and to remember to, to readjust your calendar all the weeks going forward for more Sabbath time. Today we turn to another subject that was uh, the second most commented thing on as far as the responses that I received. And it has to do with worry and fear and anxiety. And so for today, I borrowed a, a title from a well-known theologian in our area called Chick-fil-A. Uh, so the title today is called Faith Over Fear. Did you notice that song that we sang just a moment ago? It says, I am no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. No longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And the second song, part of it says, I don't want to miss one word you speak because everything you say is life to me. Everything you say to me, God, is life to me. Faith over fear. Here's a couple of responses from people about what God is showing them. Jesus said not to worry about tomorrow. Another one said, faith that dawn is coming. Another one said very simply, trust him. It's clear from what's going on around us that these are very challenging times because of the coronavirus. So much uncertainty about the future. Way back in 1952, the U.S. was involved in a, a conflict over in Korea called the Korean War. And in that same year, the Soviet Union began testing nuclear devices, which led to the start of the Cold War that would last for the next over 40 years. And during that time, in that same year, 1952, a movie was produced in the United States using some children, school children up in New York City. And the movie was called Duck and Cover. And as a result of that Duck and Cover movie and the Duck and Cover campaign, millions of children all around the United States were involved in duck and cover drills. And it was a way that the society was teaching us as children that if something were to happen bad, that everybody needs to get down and get under their desks, duck and cover. Now, while few of us may worry about nuclear weapons nowadays, there is a very silent killer that has impacted not just the United States, but the world called coronavirus. And when we face a silent killer like that, it can bring fear into our lives. I learned last week from someone in my extended family. She told me that she had a cough and a fever for about five days. And she said that it was a challenging five days because during that time, her mind and her spirit were at war with one another. 
her mind, trying to put fear into her, her spirit saying, trust God. God will carry you through this time. How are you feeling about the future? And not just about the virus and its impact, but the impact uh, that is much broader to the economy. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you think you're going to lose your job. Maybe you've got a, a severe cutback uh, on your income as a result of this. You're worried about the economy. You're worried about your job. Worried about the next level of the virus resurfacing again. Oh, there's a lot that we could be worried about. And if you're not careful, you can focus on all these things, all these negative things, and they can be very disrupting. They can put us in a place of darkness. That darkness will try to steal your joy and your hope that we know in Jesus. So as we think about faith over fear, consider one of the passages we often hear related to worry. It's from Matthew 6, verse 34, in which Jesus said, Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Let the church say amen. Today's trouble is enough for today. While Jesus was speaking to the people in this context of which he spoke, he was speaking to them about their possessions and their money because back in that day, everybody worried about where their food was going to come from tomorrow. They didn't have refrigerators or freezers. They didn't have lots of preservatives that kept things fresh for a decent amount of time. They had to be concerned about what they were going to eat tomorrow. So they worried a lot about money and they worried a lot about their food. And Jesus' point to them, as it is the same to us today, is we must not worry about tomorrow. we got to worry and take care of today. King David said it in a different way in one of the most celebrated passages in all of the Bible. The 23rd Psalm, verse 6, says this, Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. No anxiety. No fear of the future, no worry about tomorrow, faith over fear. Where do you get that kind of confidence? If you're a believer, I'd like to invite you to think with me about why we can have this confidence. If you're not a believer, meaning you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, I invite you to continue and listen today. And as I'm speaking and as you're listening to what I might say, I invite you to think about how you're going to deal with the worries that you have tomorrow. So let's think about a couple reasons we need to put our faith over fear, why I should not worry. The first one is because God is watching over me. One person who responded to my question said, I need to not be anxious and keep my eyes above. Another one said, to live in the present and not worry because Jesus is with me. Aren't those great? No matter what happens during this time of great concern during the COVID crisis, God is with us and will bring good out of it somehow. My own faith position, based on how I understand the Bible, is that God did not cause the coronavirus. Bad things happen in this world because we live in an imperfect world, a world filled with what the Bible calls sin, which is brokenness. And as a result of that, bad things happen. But as I've said many times before, God has this wonderful and unique ability to take any situation, any situation, 
and help us find good things as a result of bad things happening, even the coronavirus. A favorite verse for many believers watching is Romans 8, 28. A lot of you could say it with me. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him and have been called according to His purpose. This is a promise for believers that if you're one of God's kids, because you've asked Jesus to be the leader of your life, that things bad will happen, that things will go wrong, but God will bring good out of a terrible situation. Things that happen to me, God can use them for my good and for the good of other people and for the good of His kingdom. God is a good, good God. God is watching over me. It's why Paul said God works for the good. Did you notice how he adds, he says, for the good of those who love him have been called according to his purpose. What does this mean to be called according to his purpose? Christians believe that first and foremost, we are called to be in a relationship with God. That's why we are created. We are made to be in relationship with God. And then secondly, to be in relationship with other people. Listen to this from Ephesians 1, verses 4 and 5. Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. This is what He wanted to do, and it gave Him great pleasure. Why are you alive? Well, because your parents conceived you, right? Yes, but more important than that is the truth that you are alive right now because God created you so that you could find yourself and have a fulfilled life. So how do I do that? By finding God, by inviting Jesus to be the leader of your life. And when you do that, David said, as I read it already, your goodness, God's goodness and unfailing love will pursue me, will chase after me. Isn't that a wonderful image? That God's goodness will pursue me. There's no difficulty, no dilemma, no defeat, no disaster of life that a Christian has to face alone, that God won't bring good out of. Jesus felt defeated on the cross, right? Do you remember what he said? My God. My God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus himself experienced defeat. Have you ever felt that way? But think about what happened to Jesus. And think about the good that came out of Jesus dying on the cross. He gives the opportunity for you and for me to have life. And not just the life, but the abundant life that God wants for everyone. Hear this. No matter what happens with this virus... You don't need to fear the future because God is watching over you. That's faith over fear. Another reason we don't need to worry about the future, another reason we need to place our faith over fear is because God's grace is working in me. I love the way one person responded to my question. They said this. They said, stop overthinking. God can handle this. I love that. A great declaration. Another one said, we have to trust that God is working in the midst of all of this. And another one said, I'm beginning to understand the difference between trusting in God and depending on God. Such wisdom. 
One of the things that I know situations like this COVID crisis do to us is they make us feel, or they can make us feel, out of control. And when we're out of control, fear of the unknown rises up. One person who responded to my question about things they're learning said, and I quote again, My frustrations in life have been and are tied to fear. Wow, they said. Big revelation, they said. And I would say amen. What a wonderful revelation that that individual has had, that so much of their own frustrations are tied to fear. I was talking with Dr. Dan Smith recently about this very subject, and he said that lack of control brings fear to us and can easily lead to depression. No doubt, some of you watching right now may be struggling because you're fighting depression. You may be the one person that needs to hear today that God's grace is working in you right now. You've got to get your focus off of the uncertainty of life and keep your focus on the person of Jesus. You've got to stop being afraid and learn to trust that God is working in you. Part of why Jesus said what he said about worry is because he understood that if we have him in our lives, and he's in our lives today, and he's in, his li our li in our lives tomorrow, and the day after that, and so on. Jesus knew that with him in us, we would have the ability to let go of that worry, of those fears. In Isaiah chapter 60, Isaiah the great prophet writes at a time that is dark for the nation of Israel. The northern kingdom has been destroyed. There's darkness, a lot of darkness all around the land. Listen to what he says in Chapter 60, verses 10 and 11. It says, Foreigners will come and build your cities. Presidents and kings will send you aid. For though I destroy you in my anger, I will have mercy on you through my grace. A great prophet speaking about God's mercy and God's grace. Grace is getting something that you don't deserve. It's a gift from God. It's not a gift that we deserve. We don't earn it. That's grace. It's getting something you haven't earned, that you don't deserve. Like that one guy that when the stimulus checks started coming out in our country, he found $8.2 million in his checking account. Can you imagine that? That's an unexpected gift, something he didn't deserve. Grace is the fact that God gives us what we need, not what we deserve. And are we glad that God doesn't give us what we deserve? Mercy is grace in action. Why do we need mercy? Because we're imperfect. Because we stumble. We fall. We're going to blow it again. We make mistakes. In the future, all of us are going to sin. So we need not only God's goodness, God's grace. We need His mercy, the forgiveness, the pardon, the healing that comes from relationship with God. When we really understand God's grace and mercy... We understand that God isn't out there trying to get even with us. You've done bad stuff. Welcome to the human race. Doesn't matter how bad you've been. God wants to give you this gift. God wants to give you mercy. Jesus paid the penalty for what you and I have done and what we will do in the future. That's why Easter is so very important. You see, God doesn't get even for the things that he's already paid for. 
God wants to let all that go. God doesn't care about your past. When you understand God's grace and God's mercy, then you have no need to fear the future. Listen to the way that David said it in Psalm 103. I'm going to begin in verse 2. It says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will He harbor His anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him, which means for those who love Him, respect Him. Mercy means that when I'm going through a tough time, a difficulty, even something that I've brought on myself, God is there to show me the way. Through all of it, God's grace is working in me, in you, in us. To illustrate, one of our executive pastors, Bobby Cullen, is going to talk to us right now. Give us a glimpse about how people are being used in Lighthouse to show God's grace into our community. Let's listen as Bobby speaks. Frank has been reminding us today of what it means to have faith over fear. And when we have that faith, our faith lives out in expressions of God's grace working in us. Lighthouse has been putting together care packages for lots of different groups of people, for hospital workers, for ambulance drivers, for police officers, through the generosity of you dropping off these snacks and treats and all kinds of various things. We make these goodie bags and then take them down to the various groups and bless them with God's grace working through you. We are blessing the workers that are at Eagle Mountain Saginaw, feeding the kids, still working in the school district to take care of the kids each and every day by sending a food truck out there every week through the generosity that Lighthouse is doing. And not only that are we doing the food truck, but we partner with Terranaria Food Backing, and our, tomorrow we're having our second day where we're filling up these boxes. This isn't a warehouse. This is where we box up uh, these boxes. We have a line out front for the people to come by and pick up the food with volunteers from Lighthouse sorting the food from Terranaria Food Bank, and then we distributed it to 174 families last time, and we've already projected that we're going to have over 200 tomorrow. And as soon as we sent out the call for volunteers, you all signed up and took all those spaces because you want to be those expressions of God's grace working in us. And because of our partnership with Terranaria Food Bank, we're going to sign up for two more times in May to do this distribution. And then because of this, Terranaria Food Bank said, hey, after this crisis is over, would y'all be willing to be a monthly site? And we said yes, because we want to be expressions of God's grace working in us, showing God's love to the community. Because of your generosity, because of your faithfulness and your giving, we're able to continue to bless people. So we thank you for all that you're doing to be God's grace working in us. Thank you, Bobby. Isn't that awesome and amazing to hear all the things that God is doing through Lighthouse, through you, to help people know that God's grace is working in us. Faith over fear. God watching over me, 
God working in me, in us. And a final reason we don't need to fear the future is because heaven is waiting for me. I hope you remember today that regardless of what happens to us, not just during this COVID crisis, but all throughout our lives, when you die as a Christian, you go to heaven. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1 and 2. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God Himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. Do you know what the saddest funerals are? And I've done a few of them. The saddest funerals are funerals that I've done, that are done, when you know or are fairly certain that the individual that died did not have a relationship with God. Saddest, because to die without Jesus is to die to an eternal darkness. A Christian funeral is a celebration. Not that everybody's going, yay, they're dead. No, we're saying, yay, they're in heaven today. What joy fills us to know that God carries us to heaven the instant that we die. You see, the Bible makes it clear. You and I have a choice. Someday our bodies are going to die, but you don't. Your body will end, but that's not going to be the end of you. You're going to live forever in one of two places, and you are the one who chooses heaven or the place the Bible calls hell, where God is not. And oh, by the way, how long does forever last? Do you have any guesses on that one? Is it 10,000 years? Is it 10,000 times 10,000 years? It's millions and billions and trillions and trillions of years. You will live, but you get to choose where you go. This is why Christians should be the most confident people about the future. Listen to the way Paul says it a few verses later in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, Now we look forward with confidence to our heavenly bodies, realizing that every moment we spend in these earthly bodies is time spent away from our eternal home in heaven with Jesus. We know these things are true by believing, not by seeing. And we are not afraid, but we are quite content to die. For then we will be at home with the Lord. Amen. Death, for Christians, is not an ending. It's a transfer. It's a promotion. We call it graduation. On to better things. No more problems. I would say you're not really ready to live until you understand that you're ready to die. Someday, if we have accepted Christ, we will go to heaven. And what is heaven going to be like? The Bible uses amazing language to help us think about what heaven would be like. Streets of gold, can you imagine something like that? Hard for our minds to even begin to comprehend what heaven would be like. And God is going to have things for you to do when you get to heaven. This is the God who created the wind for windsurfing and snow for snowboarding. God has big plans for you in heaven. No sprained ankles, no more broken bones, no more pains anywhere in your body. What a gift heaven will be. We're going to be released from pain, from sorrow, from suffering, from depression, from fear. 
Revelation 21, verse 4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. All that gone forever. Doesn't that just make you a little homesick for heaven? At the beginning of the message today, I said, today's message was about to how to have confidence in our future if you're a believer. And I asked you, if you are not a believer, if you would say you're not a follower of Jesus, to invite you to think about the alternatives that you have to help you deal with what's going on right now and what's going on for the future. It is my prayer that even at this moment, you have a realization that you have little reassurance as far as the future goes. May I invite you that if you're feeling a lack of reassurance to make the best decision of your life right now today, and that is to invite Jesus to be the Lord, which means the leader of your life. If you would pray a simple prayer, you don't have to close your eyes. You can sit there in front of your computer or in front of your TV right now and make a decision to invite Jesus to come into your heart. If you would do that right now, you would begin to have a future unlike any future you could have ever known before. Now, there are people that are hosts online with us, uh, some through our live stream, through our website and the app, and some on Facebook. Those hosts are there to talk with you. If you would like to speak to someone about what I'm talking about, about who Jesus is, if, if you feel like you, you're ready to make a decision or you've already made a decision, send a little note out right now. Would you say, hey, I'd love to talk to someone about what Frank just was talking about. Or say, hey, I made a decision to follow Jesus. Can I talk to somebody about that? Man, I'd love to get you on the phone and celebrate with you the greatest decision of your entire life. When you face the future, what do you see? Do you look at it with eyes of doubt, with cynicism? Are you expecting the worst? Or are you one who is trusting that God is watching over you? that His grace is working in you, and that heaven is waiting for you. It's about faith over fear. One person who responded to my question said, quote, God alone truly is enough to satisfy. Nothing else will do. Isn't that awesome? Nothing else will do because God alone satisfies. That's faith without fear. So, you know, one of the things that God has done in my life in recent month and a half is that God drew me to the book of Exodus uh, during this COVID crisis to, to study it some. And, and I learned early on in it this, some fascinating things, but you know the story, don't you, right? God called Moses to lead the people of Israel out of slavery from Egypt. And when it finally happens, the Israelites have escaped the Egyptian army they're headed to a great body of water. They're confronted by a great body of water in front of them, and behind them they hear Pharaoh's chariots coming. It's a scary time. And Moses turns and raises his hands, and the waters part. Well, I guess you know I'm not Moses, don't you? <laughs> but you know, one of the things that's intriguing to me about the whole story of Moses is that when God called Moses and 
when God led Moses to speak to Pharaoh, the leader of the Egyptians, Moses kept giving God excuses why he shouldn't be the guy doing this. He basically said, I'm not very eloquent. You know, I'm kind of slow to speak. There's plenty of other people that could do this. Why don't you choose somebody else like that? God, five different times, had to rebuff Moses because Moses said, it's not me, God. You don't need me. Moses finally said, would you just choose somebody else, please? But God chose Moses to lead people through an uncertain future. Just like God chooses you, God chose you to, in your family, at your work, in your neighborhood, in this world, help people find their way to the uncertain future. Because He's watching over you. His Spirit, His grace is working in you, and heaven is waiting for us. What an amazing gift God has given to us. Let us be the people of faith that choose faith over fear. Amen and amen. God bless. Ooh.